take life with a grain of salt and don't be so serious about about your life um have have that drink have that cigar have some type of experience that can that you enjoy you are now tuning in to the roughnecks podcast with your host cole nixon much love oh man that smells good That smells better than that stuff. Yeah, this is what bourbon's supposed to smell like. It doesn't burn as bad. Like, it's really smooth. Yeah, that's pretty dangerous. Actually, that's... <laughs> actually, that's a really good uh, pick. So... so, What do they do? Like, do they, you literally... Do they just go pick one for you and bring it back? So, there's a lot of things that you can do with uh, bourbon picks, but... And I've had the honor of doing a couple of them, which are really, really cool um, experiences if you're into all that. But if you go into two options, I'll start with that, is that you can have like different barrels, like where the distillery will take barrels and and use thieves, where they thief out the whiskey and put it in little vials and they'll send it to you in a box. Okay. And then you can say, well, I like A out of B, C, D, and E, whatever. Mm. Um, and then they'll just, you pay for it, you know, you know, and if you're in Ohio, there's a bunch of different rules and regulations when it comes to alcohol in the liquor stores because the state, uh, uh, state liquor, um, agency. So, but, um, so that has to go through the liquor store and everything, but you can, you can do option two where I think is the best way where they invite you down to whatever distillery it is. It could be Jack Daniels, Jim Beam, you know, wild Turkey and, you know, go into these beautiful old Rick houses that have been standing for 50 years mm-hmm. and smell all the wood and the Oak and, and kind of engulf yourself into this different world, you know? Yeah. And then they have all these beautiful barrels like sitting in front of you and, and I guess, like, for someone like me, um, I really enjoy the historical aspect yeah, of it. Yeah, exactly. So, so when a barrel is sitting in front of you and it's 10, 11, 12, 15 years old, um, I always go back and say, you know, what was I doing 10 years yeah, ago? Yeah, exactly. You know, that's how long that barrel's been sitting there, aging and becoming something, you know, spectacular to where we can actually enjoy it with friends and family and loved ones and stuff like that so um that's what i love because you can you can try the whiskey right out of the barrel there's nothing more raw about it it's just it's just all encompassing and and it just kind of grabs you you know Mm -hmm. and you get to enjoy the whole thing so but uh yeah, so we're started. <laughs> yeah, we are actually. I'm leaving that all in too. <laughs> That's cool. I, like <laughs> I, I I wanted like because I you know how like Rogan starts out his episodes where it's I just love like it. they just start talking and I'm like that's kind of what I want to feed into yeah. instead of doing all this intro stuff because yeah. then I gotta think of it. So I love but, it. But hey, Jake, welcome to the Rough Next yeah. Podcast, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate <laughs> it. This is cool. I love the logos. Uh, I've been following along since you guys started, and and uh, I know uh, Teddy's you know been involved. Yeah. We went to the same college, we sent, went to the same high school. and Never actually 
there together. Right. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you were you graduated when I was in eighth grade. So like when yes. I was coming in, you were just leaving. So yep. it, it, we never and the same with college. It, it, we never actually got to like play together yeah. or be in school together. But it is funny how we went to the same high school, same college. But yeah. We're never actually together in either of them. Yeah. Yeah. And then we had like kind of like a mutual friend that was in between of us. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, you had Cam Smith. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, he went to Ohio Wesleyan too. So it was, yeah. it was kind of, kind of very, very cool. I wish, I wish we all could have played together. Yeah. You know, I, I always look back on that and, and then you also have Reno, yep. you know, too. So who I was not in school with either. Cause you were actually more my brother. Cause were you a freshman when my brother was a senior? I believe so. I'd say, yeah, I thought you were actually closer to my brother than you were to me, but it's yes. kind of weird because, like, you're directly, like, in the middle of me and my yeah, brother. Yeah, so I wasn't really close with him. <laughs> Either, yeah. You know, I knew him, and obviously, uh, you know, that senior class of Watkins, um, you know, they had a rough year and stuff, but um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I got to know them, you know, because the freshman team always week 10. You got to w- go yeah. up, you know. And, and dress. And, and dress, and then um, that was kind of my start because I got – my big break that night really? against Hilliard um, Bradley. Yep, I and I actually that. played as a freshman. Really? Um, Which is not common. It wasn't like I knew it. It's not common for freshmen to play It was play not Watkins. common at all. My senior year, we had like four freshmen playing. Right. But that was – we didn't have a very – we had a decent-sized senior class, but we just didn't have a lot. And But at Watkins, it wasn't common for freshmen no. to play at all. No, no. I Especially never, in week 10. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, and, and it was – I mean, you kind of. I looked up obviously to the seniors that year, even though they did have a rough, a rough, rough year. year, But you know, you're you're sitting next to, uh, you know, Bryce Phillips Mm -hmm. as a running back, and even as goofy as he was, he was amazing running back. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jake Kincaid Mm -hmm. when he was with Watkins, who him and I together was just unstoppable. You know, if he wouldn't have went to, which I mean, not. To knock him off, you know, if he <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have went to Pickerington, I mean, Jesus. That he may not been... have – because did he end up going playing college ball or not? He went to Kent. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah he so went to Kent He Reno. probably wouldn't have ended up – well, he maybe would have ended up, but it would have been a lot tougher, I feel yeah. like. And I nothing know. against Watkins, no, yeah. but, like, we don't produce D1 athletes. No. Or D1 football players, I'll no. say. We produce D1 athletes in other sports. Well, and it's not practiced yeah. either. No. Um, you know, that was one thing about uh, – you know, and we can always get into like, you know, haves and have nots mm-hmm. and, you know, who wanted to work and who didn't want to work back then. And, and it's crazy because like we haven't seen each other in like forever. Right. Or like well, we last were, time I saw you was when I was we were I was in college. You were at Ohio Wesleyan, I think, for right, a game. Right. And and we've never really we never played together. We've no. never done any of that together. Um, and. You know, it's crazy looking back on it because it just seems like it was it was yesterday. Yeah. And all those feelings come back, mm-hmm. and and you know you can bitch and moan about whatever it is, but the, the the truth was is that, you know, Watkins just didn't use their platform to get the guys where they needed to go. No. You know, it was it was very weird for, and I'm sure you had the same kind of instance. Um, did, you had was Severino still? That was still the yeah. So, he, it was I think my two year two, one or two years after I graduated when Sev stepped down. Yeah, I mean, and God loves Sev and like all those guys yeah. and Warrington and and Hare and I mean I love them obviously, but um, and uh, 
you know, rest in peace, Coach Watkins. You know, he passed away yeah, my senior year. I never. So. I played. Yeah, played for him. He was my seventh grade basketball coach. Yeah. And then I think it was during high school when he ended up passing away. He was my senior year. Was it the spring of 2013? So it had been my eighth grade year. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But um, you know, it was very weird, and I'm sure you guys had the same instant or the same experience. Um, but you know, me telling you know, Sev, that I want to go play college football mm-hmm. is, it was like deer in the headlights. And it's yeah. like, why? Cause I'm not six feet tall. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you know, you have 120 tackles on a high school football team and college, you know, you play Joe Burrow your senior year. Exactly. And, yeah. And it's like, I've been playing since I was five years old. Why wouldn't I try to play somewhere? Exactly. Even if it is the division three level, you know, I still want to play. I still want to go to school get my degree and uh but it was you know it's met with surprise rather Mm -hmm. than oh well let's help you let's try to get you where you need to be yeah I'll be honest like I didn't feel like I had much help like same thing I love Sev I love Warrington I love all those guys but I didn't feel like I had much help in that aspect of the cut like what to do essentially like yeah yeah, you you had coaches coming in and you go sit and they talk and whatever but like it was like, all right, what do I do now? Like, right. Now what do I do? Like, how do I know which one's the right fit for me? Which that's not all their responsibility. Sometimes right. you need to have that, your internal with yourself. And then you also need to like have that conversation with your parents and that kind of thing. Yeah. But like, it was, it was weird. Cause like, I didn't know what to do. And D3 was my only option. Cause I didn't play half the senior year too. Right. And like, which uh, it was one of those two. And I don't know if it was the same for you. Like, I feel like we always think like, oh, I can go play D1 or I can go play D2. And then that first day of camp, D3, right. I was like, yeah, I'm, I wasn't even prepared for this. Yeah, exactly. And it's nothing like crazy, but it's just a whole different level. It's a different level and it's a different speed. Yeah. And and, I, and, and when you get, when you feel that speed mm-hmm. for the first time, it, it just feels like a whirlwind. Like, especially like. I look back at like DBs and stuff yeah. like that and they get to see everything. Oh, it was great. You know, and <laughs> and it's like even as a linebacker, you know, you get to see most of it. But then going from, you know, I was a nose tackle and center and stuff and a lineman in elementary school. Yeah. But I hadn't been on the line for 10 years. Yeah. You know, and then you play college football and then you stick your hand down in the dirt again. And it's a different ball game. Yeah, exactly. And there's things moving that you don't know that they're moving. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, I, I, and, you always, people are like, how do the linemen not see that? That You you can't see You can't see anything. You just get up and you're trying to see as much as you can. That's yeah, it. like you're separating from people. You're trying to move. I mean, and that, that was my big thing was that the only reason, like my, what, what uh, my claim to fame was, was being strong, quick, and, mm-hmm. and f- fast. Yeah. Um, on the line, but I was the smallest D lineman in, yeah. in our conference, and that's saying something yeah. considering it's a D three. And you didn't. I mean, some of the teams even like, um, what's the school? Blue. Uh, Hiram. Hiram. Yeah. Like they. I mean, but they had some big dudes. They oh just, yeah. They just weren't always fun. They'd beat so. you if you weren't careful. Oh yeah. They're they're very electric, but I mean, we always there was sometimes a lot of them with Hiram. It was like close at first, and then like 
towards the end of the second quarter, third quarter, it was like, all right, now we're yeah, now we take over. Yep. But it, we always had trick plays thrown in there. I never got to throw the uh, the fake punt pass. I was disappointed <laughs> in that one. They never called it. They're like, we're up forty, and I'm like, I don't care. Just can we get a first down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell Ward to do something. <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, I mean, it was different as a DB, especially, like, because even in camp, that's kind of what helped me propel my, like, propel myself at Ohio Wesleyan. During camp, I had, like, three interceptions in three days. Yeah. But you're going against the freshman offense. Like, the, the, right. they're, they're learning the plays. Half of them don't even know their routes yet. The quarterbacks are still trying to right. figure it out. So, like, I'm just able to sit back and be like, I know who I have. And then, like, once he comes at me, I'm like, all right, he's mine. And then it's like, all right, just wait for the bad throw. Yeah. So that's what helped me, but it is completely different. And <clears throat> I don't know which ones. I always say DB's harder mentally, not physically. Physically, because you're getting yeah. hit every place. Sometimes DBs don't go. But don't you got to figure plays. out, like, where you're going. Yeah. You know, you can see, like, three different routes. Oh, yeah. And you got to pick. What you got to read which or one when they is going to be out and like how many we how many checks did we have so like you, yeah even that on a too. D line like yeah. you, we're checking out of a blitz we're checking out of whatever when they come out in a specific formation and like we're supposed to just remember all that yeah and it, it was tough in my junior year when they moved me to corner that was even tougher yeah because <laughs> I, I was I've never played corner and, and you're out there on an island oh yeah it's just you and then we had a freshman who ended up going all conference and I'm like why didn't we have anybody else right but I would it was I was grateful because. We had Mario DeJoy, we had Nick Heidel, we had ben, or Ryan Rubel. So, like, we had a ton of yeah, safeties Ryan, yeah. that were freaking good that it would have been – I would have been battling so much for playing time. Instead, I got to start all 10 games and play all 10 games. So, it's, like, yeah. one of those that it's, like, eh, it sucked, but I got to play all 10 no, games. No, it's awesome. I mean, there was – I mean, it's it's a lot – it's not like uh, my freshman year where, you know, we walked in with 21 linebackers. Yeah. And Well, we had the largest – recruiting class i think that watts has ever seen probably since us yeah because we had we had 75 kids yeah in our I, freshman I class i think we were just over 80 i could be wrong about that but i know we were damn and, but like I that's half too many of them. it's it, too it, many the next year it was like half yeah um, i mean what was the senior class my senior class 20 probably yeah if that that was about the same as us yeah. and we had transfers in we yeah. had tran some of them weren't there from day one yeah we had 24 guys yeah and four of them were transfers yeah that it stayed yeah it, it's uh and that just i mean that just goes to show you that it doesn't matter at what level mm -hmm. you know you know roughnecks you guys got reno like he played at kent state d1 athlete uh fifth year right too um, I think he was red due to his. Oh, okay. But yeah, I don't know. Due to his injury, or I think I know he had an injury, and I knew he was thinking and he was wanting to go NFL. Yeah. But the injury cut his NFL right, career. Right. His career just yeah. was done after that. It sucks. It does. But I know he's happy doing what he's doing. I haven't oh, talked yeah. to Reno in probably ten years. Reno's so. doing very well for himself. I can tell you that. That's good. <laughs> so that's good. I get. I get to he. I we play volleyball on Sundays at a place. Um, me and. Evan Den's girlfriend oh, plays yeah. with us, and Evan did play till he tore his Achilles. Oh, jeez. <laughs> That's a bad end. Playing at walk-ins, too. That's a bad end. Playing end. football. Well, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that, he, he but, um, so I get to see Reno, very, and with the podcast, I see him all the time. But it's funny, too, like, how past, because, like, like we talked about, like, Reno was, he was your class, wasn't he? He was a great above me. <laughs> oh, okay. So, Reno, so he was even older. 
I never really had experience. So he's with six him. years above you. Yeah, I never had experience with him, and then I just randomly asked him if he wanted to be a part of it after I'd had him on the podcast. Yeah, and then that, now we talk all the time, and I never would have thought like if you'd asked me, it's kind of talking like the whiskey thing. If what was I doing ten years ago, I wouldn't have been thinking one, I'm doing this. Two, I wouldn't have thought Reno would be a part of it. Yeah, alone. exactly. So it's a very humbling experience at the same time oh for sure i mean i i think about i mean it, it's it's one of those i, I the, the older that i'm getting i mean i'm 28 now um and and i'm getting once you get like closer to 30 like mm-hmm. you start like looking back on a lot of things and especially like the years from like 20 to 26 yeah like our like big like transitioning years at least for me they were well that's where i'm at right now is 26 and yeah. my life six years ago was completely right. different and and there's a lot of i feel like there's a lot of hardships mm-hmm. in those years because especially if you're a student athlete you go from doing all these things and working all you know so hard to play a sport that you love and and then it basically becomes a job and you work hard at it but it's at least for me like you kind of lose a little bit of passion for it even though you've been playing it for 16 years and yep. it's like coming to an end because you you know face the facts it's and like sad but at the same time you're kind of like it's time yeah you it, know it's time to hang but out. then you, you get out and then you're like well now what oh you yeah know? and and it's like you're ready to get out and and everything and and then you say to yourself now what and and some people go one way and another people you know some people go another way yeah and then and you got to be careful like which you know which way you navigate yourself because you know you can go down a road where you know, you fall down this dark hole and your, you know, mental, capa- mental capacity is all messed up. At least like mine was like for my instance. And mm-hmm. Oh, I was the same exact way where and then you can, yeah, you, it, you just fall into a dark hole and, yeah. and you may not get out of it. A lot of people don't, I mean, yeah. honestly, and, or it takes a lot longer for other people to get out of that hole. Yeah. And cause I mean, I, after it is weird cause you go from high school to like have being told what to do, being, you yeah. have to be here at this time, college similar. Yeah. You have a little more freedom with it. But you, you're still, you know, hey, we have meetings at this time. You didn't want to be late. You weren't running the Bishop Mile. No. You you had all this stuff that was, like, scheduled for you, essentially. Yeah. Then you get out, and it's like you're in control of your schedule completely. Even yeah. if you have a 9-to-5 or whatever type of job, like, yes, you have that scheduled, but then <clears> it's, like, managing your time after that. Yeah. And And it was, like, getting out of that funk of figuring life out essentially after college is a very difficult thing because you're also looking at everyone else. I think a lot is what, what I did personally is like, I'm looking at everybody else. Like, well, I'm not here. Like uh, they're only a year above me. How do they have all, how do they have this truck already? How do they have this house already? And I'm still living with mom and dad driving a beater. Exactly. But then once you start to get over those humps, you're like, it doesn't matter what age necessarily this happens at. It's just like, figuring it out and yeah. at the best time for you yeah yeah each one of us ha- kind of has our own journey and like you can be you can be at 26 and and beating me at 28 yeah you know and but you know i can be at 40 and killing it and then you can fall back down again it, it's just like it, we have to understand and be humble about the fact be have more have more humility about the fact of what life has to bring for ourselves yeah. you know and 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 kind of embrace this process of you know maybe i should do this thing maybe i shouldn't maybe you know and and work through life that way so um you know for instance for me i i go from 
college to, um, you know, I got involved with Corey Gregory and Max Muscle at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody knew that, but um, I get involved with that. You know, Corey was a huge mentor, old school gym. That was a massive thing in my life. Um, and I wanted to stay involved with that. Uh, found like a hidden passion with like videography and photography and I, I mean, who the hell thought that I'd be doing that? You know, it's, you know, I'm like this, like guy that's played football for 16 years and lifted and, and then I all of a sudden really enjoy video editing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it is weird how yeah. it just happens. Yeah. And, uh, um, so I start doing that and Corey offers me like this, um, not really an internship, but kind of a kind of like a startup program with max effort muscle and i do the whole thing and travel with them and i was with them from uh out of out of school 2000 spring in 2017 to about uh about fall of 18 um and that may not seem like a long time but a lot can happen in a year and a half and so it felt like between 22 and about 24 um was just a whirlwind mm-hmm. um and then also adding in the fact that, you know, I was working part-time at Tinderbox Easton, which is a cigar shop. Um, and that kind of got me into the whole cigar thing. Um, started smoking cigars at Woodlands. That's okay. in Delaware. Um, and I don't know why. I mean, honestly, I got into bourbon like really young too. So um, I went down there on my 21st birthday with my dad. And like I said, the historical aspect of it kind of grabbed me. Um, but it was just like a hobby. You know, it's yeah. not... It's not like sitting there at 21, like drinking a hundred dollar bottle. You know, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like it, it's more, you know, grabbing a, you know, maybe a pint of Maker's Mark and and finishing that on a Friday night yeah. after a or Saturday night after a football game. Yeah, you know, it wasn't I wasn't a huge, huge partier at, at Ohio Wesleyan. But you uh, mean you weren't a big Clancy's goer? No, no. <laughs> I'd go down with everybody. Um, but I would sit there and, and I'd smoke a cigar Yeah, and I'd just stand outside and just yeah. people watch. Um, Oh, that was always comical. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the townies. Yeah. Between with, the townies and the actual students. Yeah. It, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. And Clancy shut down my junior year. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I ain't going to miss it. I didn't give a shit about that place. But, uh, I mean, the way that I looked at it was, is like, I'm, I'm like paying, I'm paying money to uh well when i was under 21 it was like i'm paying money to go try to hook up with my own girlfriend that's the way i looked at it it's like well let's can we go to like the well that at that time fisai was still like open um but it was like you know can we go to the football frat and then like hang out for like a little bit and then go back to the the dorm (laughs) just like hang out um but um you know you go through that and I um I got into cigars just because of bourbon because like you know if you look at the Pappy bottle if you really mm-hmm. get it starting getting it in a bourbon then you learn about Pappy right like yeah. Pappy's this like forbidden fruit this like fugazi unicorn bottle that nobody can get unless you have buku money and uh you know old Julian Van Winkle on the front of it smoking a cigar you know so then I'm sitting there and I'm like well what's cigars about and and so um <laughs> I go to the UDF station on York Road Okay. <laughs> by the barn. And uh it was like the summer between my junior and senior year of college. And I grab they had these five packs of Swisher Sweets, 
but they weren't swishers. They were they were actually like rolled, whether they were machine rolled or hand rolled, whatever cigars. And you get five of them for three bucks. <laughs> and uh, I went over to uh, Taylor Evener's um, Halloween party on Black's Road, and uh, I just really enjoyed smoking a cigar with like a little cup of bourbon. Yeah. And um, and I was kind of off to the races. And so I would go from, you know, I'd smoke a cigar if we won a game. Um, when I would go back to school uh, after summer break, I would smoke a cigar after, you know, a game or whatever. And then it became um, every every weekend day. Um, and then by my senior year, obviously, like, you don't give a shit. So, oh, like, no. you get to, like, <laughs> you get to, you know, uh, April oh, yeah. of of your sprint or your – done you know, yeah yeah your last <laughs> semester and uh i'm like well i'm just i think i'm gonna go study at the cigar shop <laughs> and smoke a cigar and like read my textbook <laughs> and that's what i did um so like i built like a great relationship with with the people at woodlands and delaware ohio and then uh and then i went to tinderbox at easton um met a guy named steve crane which is now one of my best friends um and then they offered me a job out of out of college, um, just as like a part time thing because they knew that I was doing stuff with Corey and Max Effort Muscle. But I'd go in there and have a cigar after work because we lived uh, off of Hamilton Road okay, up yeah. there in New Albany. Um, that's where Alicia and I moved to after uh, school. Um, so I started working there like part time, which that made for a long day too. It felt like college, yeah. like football back, you know. We'd get done with classes all day, and then you got to go to freaking practice. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> well we'd you know you know you're working uh, working out at like four a.m. with the four a.m. crew at old school, mm. at, and you know you're doing that, and then you're done at six. Go back, edit everything for Corey, um, shower, drive down to Newark, do everything during the day drive back to New Albany, um, and then smoke cigars the rest of the night. <laughs> and then you leave at 9 or 10 o'clock, um, and, and there's something that's – one thing that, like, I've had to be careful about, like, with my life um, in the last – like, since I've gotten into the bourbon and the cigar thing and made a career out of it was that, you know, there's a thing where, like, when the day ends, you know, most people go home and then they have a drink or something mm -hmm. like that. Well, cigar shops, you do that there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like, you close the, you know, you close the store, and then you may sit there. Um, and much like how what can happen in a bar, you know, it's yep. never just one drink. Yep. You know, so you know by the time you know it, it's one a.m. and you got to be at the gym at four. Yeah. So, um, back to, you know, my original story when I'm talking about or when I was talking about, um, you know, that one year mm -hmm. seemed like a very long time between 17 and the fall of 2018. Um, that's why, <laughs> you yeah. know, cause I mean that, that year, you know, took probably about, <laughs> it took a few years off my life, but yeah. it was all good. I wouldn't change anything. Well, everything's a learning experience. You learn. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, kinda, dude, I was you, rocking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, it was one of those that like, it's like college. I look back at college for me, and I had a blast. I wish I'd have took things more seriously and maybe set myself up a little better for my future. Yeah. And then same post-college even, like certain things that I did or paths that I went down where it almost felt like for me post-college, I was still in college. 
Right. Like with the drinking and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, you kind of take a step back and you look at yourself and you're like, it's not like I'm the worst person out here, but it's like, I'm going, I'm heading down this path that can end up being really bad. Well, I think there's so, there's such a, there's such a stigmatism when it comes to alcohol. Right. And, 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 and good, and for good reason, you know, don't like make, I'm not trying to make it seem like there's, it shouldn't (laughs) be, but I think people demonize it a lot more than what it should be. I think it should just be more of a be careful yeah. thing rather than a don't. Yeah. You know, um, the reason being for, I guess for me, was that I noticed that when when you can control, especially when you're, when you're drinking something, you know, like, you know, a 60 or 70, you know, something that's special Yeah. Um, with friends and family. It's, it's not like chugging 30 beers. Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it's not the same. Yeah. Um, and it's not the same sitting down and smoking a cigar for an hour either. Yeah. And I think that's what gravitated me towards the whole industry was the fact that it slows down time. Mm. We, we live in a world where everything's go, 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 go. And we'd never give ourselves this moment of of time to reflect. Exactly. Um, and and people can say they do, and and whether they do or not is to them. But I think for the majority of us, they don't. We don't. And and this allows us to. I, I think cigars are a very special thing. I think I think premium bourbons are a yeah. special thing. Um, I think, you know, premium, uh, like, beers and, mm-hmm. and craft beers and stuff. Any type of adult hobby, I think, is really, really good for people. And But there's that stigmatism when it comes to alcohol. Um, and it's normally by, you know, some Karen that drinks a bottle of wine <laughs> a yeah. night anyways, right? You exactly. know, like, you know, she's a fucking wino. Yeah. And, but she's she's yelling at for a man for drinking uh you know two fingers of of bourbon yeah and and it's not it's just not the same and and i think that it has given me a different perspective and it allows you to be it there is kind of a sophisticated little thing about it which, which is you know a romantic kind of thing that allows you to you know boost your you know endorphins a little bit and get you feeling good yeah. and and I think that's what you know I've really gravitated towards in my years like you know I've been I've been in the cigar industry now um for about 6 7 years and uh a lot a lot has changed in that time going from retail um to now wholesale which I'm selling to retail stores now so I'm a uh if I know we haven't said it, but my official title um, is a I'm a Northeast Regional Sales Manager okay. for Crowned Heads Cigars, yeah. um, and you know for layman's terms, I'm a cigar rep. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I am. Um, but it's cool. How did how exactly did that position come about? Like obviously, like you mentioned, how it all started. But like, did you when did how did you end up at Crown Heads? And like, w- did you have to work your way up, or was that just kind of the position that you started with, and now you're working your way up? Or how did that all work? Yeah, um, for me, uh, I started at the retail level, and then I think, in my opinion, I had to work my way up. Okay. Um, in 2019, 
I uh, realized I really wanted, I, I couldn't hold down a job. Um, I didn't want to work in an office. Um, I didn't have any trade experience. Um, I didn't really have any experience in anything else. Uh, my degree was in uh, health and human kinetics. Um, wanted to be a strength coach, but I didn't want to be a weight bitch for, you know, five years. Yeah. Even though I have really good friends that are, you know, doing great <laughs> right now. You know, Dylan Lelfinwell. Um, was a great great friend of mine. He's at Granville right now, head of their. Uh, I think that's what Teddy's actually doing now. Yeah, he's at Ohio Wesleyan. I, I don't know if he is f- officially like the strength coach, but he was working side by side with the strength coach my senior year. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I just. Um, I don't know. We. I, I. I've been dating Alicia since I was eighteen. Yeah. So we've been together for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> And we just, we really wanted to start our lives. And I just knew that I, I couldn't, if, if we, we wouldn't be able to, if I, if I didn't move away from kind of my dream yeah. of being a strength coach, um, hindsight being 2020, um, you know, that wasn't my dream, you know, that yeah. wasn't where I was meant to be. And that's what I find so cool is that, you know, God always has a plan, mm. um, and you may think that you do something wrong and you go a different path and then you get to that thing and you realize that this is where I'm supposed to be and so getting back to it um moving up I uh, went from Tenderbox at Easton 2019 couldn't hold down a job realized that and uh started basically the cigar industry is a very tight-knit community um if you want to become a rep it's most of these don't even make it on LinkedIn or anything like that a lot of them a lot of them are word of mouth and it's who you know and stuff yeah. like that. So um, I uh, had a lot of friends, a lot of rep friends um, with different companies and stuff like that. So I decided to reach out to them and, and kind of put a bug in their ear. My friend Rob Wilson um, lives in Cleveland. He works for Rocky Patel Cigars, which is a large brand. Um, and Rocky, who's a real man, his name's Rakesh Patel. And uh, he has these burn lounges, which are cigar lounges across America. There's about five of them. And he was building one in Indianapolis. And Rob came up to me and said, uh, well, he calls me. And I was working at Amazon at the time in Aetna just to kind of make ends meet Mm -hmm. and everything. And he says, how's things going? I said, I'm good. And I'm just, uh, you know, money's kind of tight and wish I was, you know, doing cigars instead. He said, well, I may be able to help you. And uh, they needed a humidor manager. Um, which, uh, if you don't know what a humidor is, is basically just a thing to hold cigars. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps the, keeps the cigars kind of moisturized and everything and humidity, yeah. everything. So, um, we, um, we talk about it a little more and, uh, end up going through this process and everything. And this is being built in Indianapolis. So I know that if I get this job, we're going to have to move. And Alicia's fine with that, so she's amazing for that. Um, wouldn't be here without her, obviously. And so I get the job. We move out to Indianapolis, um, become a humidor manager. I had no idea what the hell I was getting myself into. Um, you know, I'm a young cigar guy, and I'm trying to make something of myself. And I didn't realize the scale of what this opportunity was going to be. You know, and you walk in. And there's a 6,000-square-foot building, and it's gorgeous. It's two decks, two bars, seats 300 people, 
and is 6,000 square feet. I mean, it's just crazy. And you can smoke cigars in it. Yeah. I mean, it's just massive. It's something that you just don't see a lot in today's kind of climate anymore. And so, um, you know, fast forward, we go through COVID, and uh, we're all still there. Um, Rocky was very nice and kept all of us on. Nothing money-wise was affected for us okay. as managers. And then we um, get to after COVID, and then we go through a GM, we go through another GM, and finally, I, you know, by this time, I know everything about the place. And this place, um, about the beginning of 2022, I mean, we get past New Year's, and, you know, we're reservation only okay. at this point on Fridays yeah. and Saturdays. You know, you have a Rolls-Royce, an Audi R8, quarter million dollar Ford custom truck outside yeah. and we're rocking you know we have five security staff uh five bartenders on that night three bussers three humidor guys and three managers you know we're we're rocking with 350 people in the building yeah. and and everybody's having fun <laughs> you yeah. know and so um I become the GM um but I guess long story short, I know that was long-winded, so sorry for the Oh, it makes <laughs> my listeners. job easy. I love it. But um, long story long, I decide that even though I love bourbon and I love cigars and I loved the atmosphere and, you know, selfishly, I loved the power over the building. You know, you walk in and you're dressed triple black suit. You got a black fedora on. You have every steakhouse GM's number on your phone and you can do anything yeah you know when you I mean it's basically a nightclub you know you're a GM of a nightclub and uh and you can do anything and but I realized that if Alicia and I wanted to be together still I can't stay out till five o'clock in the morning every night mm -hmm. so um and you know to be honest I was always looking to be a cigar rep. I was looking to be a cigar rep before I took this job at took the job at Rocky. Um, I wanted to be a cigar rep, uh, you know, a half a year into working in retail at Tenderbox. You know, it's just a. It always sounded like a great job yeah. to me. You know, when I first heard it. So again, you know, like I said, I'm I'm talking through my rep friends again and learning about you know what's open, what's not open. Um, Come to find out, I knew uh, Crowned Head's uh, national sales manager. His name's Miguel. Uh, Miguel is an amazing man. Uh, was born in Cincinnati. Great guy. He's been in the business for 20 years. He knows what he's doing. He knows tobacco. He knows cigars. And um, and he knows people. Great, Just a great, great person. He's not power hungry. He's a good leader. He does his thing. So, um, you know, I did take a pay cut, but... It was for it was for the longevity of my relationship with my fiance. Um, it's it's for the longevity of my life. I'm not staying out till five o'clock in the morning drinking with rich people. Every yeah. you know it's and that may sound cool to everybody, but it's, it's I feel like it's one of those things that's cool in the moment or at the time, but then there does come a point where you're like, this isn't really cool anymore. Like it becomes almost normal, but not even like fun. Well, it's that. scary when it becomes normal. Yes. It's, it's really scary when it becomes normal. And then, 
you and then you total your car and then and then it becomes very real yeah and so and then you realize you know what are you doing and so um there's a lot of things that had kind of have brought me to this and and god and and my loved ones that are you know my guardian angels now that have been looking out for me i i know that there's no you know pardon my french but there's no fucking way yeah. that there's n- nobody looking out for me yeah. because i'd be dead yeah but um it's it's a great life and it's been a great great experience through all of it so i've met a lot of great people but so i work through all my cigar reps um i talk with miguel they need a guy for ohio miguel's needed a guy for ohio for like five years so go through the whole thing and he finally you know kind of grants me with it um in july of uh of 2022 and so um for those that don't know cigar reps and regional reps basically i have i have a very large territory i go all the way to maine oh wow so but how far of a drive is it like well i fly okay so it's not yeah it's a business it's not like yeah that's true but like so but are you flying with cigars then yeah how does that work like when you're going through and everything, getting ready to get on the flight, when they check your bags and stuff, you like, can fly. You can fly with cigars. I know. Like, is it ever like? Do they do they have to like search through all of it, or is they no, just kinda... no? They don't. I mean, they know what it is. Okay. Um, the funny part is, I have like a custom made hat, like a like a fedora, like a fedora, yeah, and it has a cigar holder, yeah, on it. And uh, I thought that was going to be a big issue because like having a cigar on me in a plane, yeah, you know, and there's matches in the hat, like as a little accessory. Yeah. And it's crazy because I never get stopped for it. Really? Yeah. And TSA and it's, it's a book of matches. I mean, they're real matches. Huh. So, but, um, it's, uh, I mean, I wouldn't take them out and like show them to them. Yeah. Exactly. I, I keep like, it. Hey, in look a, what I got. I keep it in my hat, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's, it's been crazy, but it's so, so I go to Maine, but the, my main States, like I, I say my main States, but, Indiana, Indiana, Michigan, Ohio, West Virginia, Western PA, and I go into upstate New York as well. Okay. But um, once a year, I'll fly out to like kind of New England. So okay. you know, for us, it's it's kind of behooves us to have a rep that at least goes out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't really, I'll, I'll just be honest, we can't really afford to have a rep, you know, just for that area yeah. out there. So how um, how often are you traveling is it like how what is your travel essentially like are you mostly in ohio or are you kind of all over the place all the time i'm kind of all over the place okay. um especially this last uh six months okay. i've been kind of all over the place um there was one weekend in november that thursday night i was in upstate or i'm sorry uh southern michigan and then Friday night, I had well Thursday night I had an event in Southern Michigan, um, called uh, in Adrian, Michigan. If anybody knows where that is, mm-hmm. and then I had an event Friday night in uh, Willoughby, Ohio, which is east of Cleveland, and then drove home that night. So two hours is Zanesville, and then I drove the next morning, got up and drove to Louisville, and had an event on Saturday, and then drove back that night. And then Monday I drove to Pittsburgh and back. And then Thursday I had an event out at Buckeye Lake. 
So are you, when you say these <coughs> events, are these like conventions where you're like essentially like with a booth, like sitting there with, or, or is it all kinds of different things? Um, for us, it's, uh, it, it's like a, like a spotlight, okay. if you will. So it's just me with our product we're running deals on sales and stuff like that and box sales and, um, I'm just kind of pushing the product kind of like what you would see like as a liquor rep, like being at a liquor store yeah. or something. So okay. something like that. <coughs> what would you Damn. say? I'm sorry. Like if you had to pick one of like, a, like how can you tell something like a beginner cigar versus like a, you know, more somebody that has experience, like should smoke this cigar. Is there something to look for? Or just like, how do you, how can you tell? Yeah. Um, I will say, um, like for your listeners, um, don't be afraid to go into a cigar shop. Mm -hmm. I know that cigar shops to me, I know this because I walk into a lot of them, right? So I know that they can be intimidating because they're like, they're a lot like gems, you know, they're a lot like hardcore gems. You may be intimidated by like when you first walk in cause you don't know anybody. Right. So, um, but sorry, it's all good. <laughs> Damn. Um, we're back. Um, so don't be afraid when you go into a cigar shop because, you know, you may have a lot of old men and, you know, they may look at you wrong and stuff like that, but they're, they're good hearted. A lot of people, you know, they know you're there to buy something, right? So, um, cause nobody just walks into a cigar shop to walk into a cigar shop. That's not, yeah. It's not like you're walking into target. Like yeah. <laughs> and that's the one thing I love about it too. Cause it's, it, it's, you can't miss it. You can't yeah. mix it up. So like the reason why you're walking into a cigar shop is because you need something. It just depends on, you know, for me as a salesman, it just depends on how much you walk out with. Yeah. So, um, when you walk in, I think, uh, you know, you're going to mostly get asked a few different questions. Um, when I was in retail and still, um, I ask a lot of people, a lot of new beginners or anybody that I meet for the first time, you know, what do you normally like to smoke? Um, are you new? Or are you, uh, and that's, if you are, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But do you like, you know, mild, medium, full, which is the strengths of the tobacco. And, um, we can go into the different primings of a tobacco plant too. Cause that's kind of cool too. But, um, normally that's, that's the nicotine strength okay. of the tobacco. And then within that you have, uh, the smoke production, um, of that. So that can, you know, body and strength are different too. So, um, may kind of, I may go back cause I think I contradicted myself there a little bit, but you can have something that is, um, medium body, but full strength, okay. if that makes sense. Um, and you can have something that's full body and medium strength. Yeah. Um, and the body to me, normally the best way I can describe is the production of the smoke. You know, okay. so if I would light this cigar up and you, it's, you know, billowing smoke like a freight train when I'm not even puffing on it, you know, that's normally, you know, fuller. Okay. Um, but it can still be medium body, meaning that it's not going to knock you over the head if you smoke it. You know <laughs> what I mean? So what I would say, like for a beginner, normally you can get something such as like an acid um, acid cigars are very, very popular. They're number one cigars across the board. They're infused. So they're infused with flavors. Um, they're injected with, uh, kind of like a, a sweetener, if okay. you will. Um, 
the tobacco is. They're still premium hand-rolled cigars, most of them, which means that a, a person takes the tobacco and rolls it. Okay. Um, and then you have machine rolls like, like cigarettes and stuff like that. Which so, do you prefer? Do you prefer a hand-rolled or a machine <coughs> I Well, all of our cigars are premium hand-rolled. Okay. Um, I prefer hand-rolled um, just because there's a romantic side of it. Um, can you necessarily tell the difference in smoking it, or is it... I think so. I okay. think there's a quality to it. Um, and that, honestly, it's an art. In a it way. is. It, it's it is. really an art form. A lot of people don't know this, but you know, roughly, it, it's estimated that roughly there is a hundred there's 300 people that touch a cigar before you get to smoke it so between the seedlings to being transported into the ground to that growing and then to the leaves being harvested to then the leaves fermenting and then the leaves being fermented again and then stored and then taken out of storage and then yeah, it, that's, it's a, that's really crazy. Once you start really thinking about it, it, it it's like wow, that is like how much really goes into the whole thing. There yeah. is a ton of people that are involved in the process of it. Yeah, no, it's it's a labor of love, um, and you know people can say what they will. Do you want more? Yeah, sure, I'll take some. Yeah, um, people can Thank say you. what they will about. Um, People can say what they will about. You're good. Keep going. Yeah, I'm just moving. About sure that's you know third, um, third world countries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're talking about Ecuador or, or Nicaragua or Honduras or Dominican Republic, but these people are like very very hardworking. And the truth is that the cigar industry, um, through the boom, through the '90s, through the early 2000s till now especially through COVID because that was the second coming of cigars because what did everybody have during COVID? Nothing to do. Time. Yeah, so they They had to sit at home. So this, cigars and bourbon, became very, very popular. Yeah. And so um, these people, the cigar industry has created cities, in these third world countries and they've created jobs and they've created and it's created infrastructure and there's a labor of love when it comes to a premium hand rolled cigar and i think that's what makes it very very special and you can taste that okay. when it when it when you smoke a premium hand rolled cigar you can taste that it's no different than like a handmade gift if somebody got you even if they didn't make it yeah. like themselves but you ordered something off etsy and you gave it to your mom for Christmas or yeah. your dad for Christmas, then all of a sudden they appreciate that more because you're like, it's handmade. And then they're like, whoa, like that's really, it's really a cool feeling to be able to see something done with somebody's hands. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and, and it's exactly right. I mean, it's, for me, what I love about hand-rolled cigars is is just that, is that, you know, somebody made this, I'm getting to smoke it. Um, they may not know who I am, mm-hmm. but... I'm getting to enjoy something and it's slowing down time for me. Okay. And, and it's, it's a, it's a special kind of romantic thing. Yeah. Um, and there's no other way to describe that for me at least now me as a salesman, because that's what I am. Right. Yeah. So me as a salesman, um, you know, telling people about this and doing events like what I was talking about is a, is a very, very big part of my job. Um, 
and and I love doing that. I, I really do love doing that. I love sitting down. Um, I don't just sell cigars. I I'm I influence yeah. <laughs> a lot. I influence cigars. I I influence and experience, in my opinion. Um, and I feel like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that experience is what drives people back to it too. Yeah, every time. I mean, the experience experience is one of the biggest things in every type of business. What type of experience did you have with this company? What type of experience did you have with your bot? Like every yeah. experience, it will help bring them back or potentially just turn them away completely. Exactly. You get one shot yeah. at an impression. And so that's why I think, um, and our owners think, you know, Crown Heads is a very small company, actually, it, you know, relatively speaking. You know, we're not like Monte Cristo or Romeo and Julieta. Crown Heads is based out of Nashville, Tennessee. If uh, For those that don't know, we started in 2011, so we're about 12 years old. And, uh, well, probably about 13 years now. Um, and But we're still a boutique-style brand, even though now, you know, we have a $20, $20 cigar. Yeah. You know, some people may say, like, well, you guys have made it. And, uh, you know... We may have, but it's still how far can we push that envelope and what different style of tobacco can we mess around with? Um, John Huber, one of our owners and kind of our curator, um, he calls himself a validator rather than like a master blender. But, um, you know, me and him, I've, I've been privileged to get to know him very well and for him to kind of ask my opinion on cigars where he sends me samples of stuff that he's That's working cool. on and and it's it's you know I'm not an owner or anything but I get to be able to create something with him with a company that I've only been with for almost two years you know so in July it'll be two years but it's it's very special, and I think you're creating something which ultimately creates an experience, which could have an everlasting effect on someone else's life. Yeah, and that's the way I look at it. You know, you can say all you want when it comes to like bourbon and cigars, but you can have an everlasting effect on somebody's life just with those two things. Yeah. Even though you can say the health defects yeah. of whatever it is, everybody's gonna have them, but whatever. Yeah, but it's not. It, it's. Anymore today, everything's unhealthy, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, anyway. it's yeah, it's not. Yeah, your chicken's not healthy either. <laughs> so, I mean, I just had a rancher on. Um, yeah, that Monday, was cool. And he talked about like the feedlots. He's like, they give them Skittles, cow crap. It doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's, it's like it's bad. And when you really start looking at it, it's like I'd almost rather just not know it. Like, <laughs> but I mean, it is yeah. a good thing to know. But in, I wanted to kind of go back a little bit with the the small business type thing. Like, yeah, I mean, and. I know that was a lot. So no, I like it because like the small aspect of it, a lot of people, I work with a small company. Like I work for a company that we do a lot of high end jobs, um, like pools and patios that there's only three of us. And when we right. tell people like there's three of us and one of them's the owner yeah. and they're like, wait, you guys put this backyard in this $250,000 backyard with three people. And it's like, yeah. But it's a really cool experience because you do feel like you're part of the company. Right. Like you are truly making an impact. And I feel like, you know, in that corporate world, it can get lost. It can. And a lot of people have said the same thing to my boss. Like, oh, you've made it now. Yeah. And it's like, but like, why stop there? Why? What, like, there is more innovation. There's more different things that you can 
grow with and yeah. change almost change the industry potentially if you wanted to. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like that's not always necessarily well, and, the goal, but it's possible. Well, and being small, it allows you to yes. because you don't have to think of fifty other fucking employees or a hundred yeah. or a thousand. Yeah. And so you know, like people gasp when they realize that. I, I'm not going to say what we do in a year, mm-hmm. but people gasp at the amount of cigars that we shell out of Nashville. Yeah. You know, and, and so just so everybody's clear, we don't grow tobacco and we don't have a factory in Nashville. We have a warehouse that gets cigars shipped to us from Nicaragua, from the Dominican Republic, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, but we have a huge opportunity to be able to, kind of reinvent the wheel um especially in this time because there's so many so many cigars yeah i mean if if you're into cigars you know that if when you walk into a cigar shop there's so many different brands and there's so many different bands on the cigars it's like you have no idea what the hell you're walking into a liquor store it's like walking into a cereal aisle. Yeah. Like, like there, there's 12 that are essentially the same. Yes. But they all look different. Yes. In their own way. Yes. But I'll go, I'll go back to one thing just because I do want to answer your question. So I, if, if you're new to cigars and want to try something new um, or just want to try cigars, I would I would go into a cigar shop. First, I, w- I would respect the owner or whoever's there um, and ask them... Um, if they can show you the humidor and just say, just be honest, say like, I'm new to cigars. I just want to try something. Um, and they'll, if they're going to ask you a few questions, I hope they do. If they, if they know what they're doing, they're supposed they're, to, they will. Yeah. Um, but you know, they'll ask you, you know, do you like me- mild, medium or full, you know, strength, um, or body, you know, but remember what I said about those and the differences. So, um, be careful on w- what those are because <laughs> they do get mixed up. And then, and then, um, and then if you like something that's infused, if you want something sweeter then say you want something infused, you know, ask if you, if they have acids or, or groovy blues or like whatever, you know, there's a, you know, you can do your research on it. But, uh, most of the time, most of the time, if you have something with a Connecticut shade wrapper leaf, um, which is your wrapper is obviously what you see Mm -hmm. of the cigar. Um, if it's very light, like a Monte Cristo white series, um, that is going to be more mild and you, you should be good there. Okay. Um, but if you, you know, if, if you're in Ohio, if you're in central Ohio, definitely go to Tenderbox at Easton, walk in there. Those guys are great. I mean, that's where I got my start and they taught me everything. I mean, they, they greet you at the door. They, they ask you all the questions. They'll take care of you. They'll go through the whole gambit if you want. And it's probably one of the largest selections in central Ohio. That's what I was going to ask. Like who, where is there, where in central Ohio, is there really anything other than that? I've not, I, I mean, I don't really, there's actually a I, bunch. Is there, see, like I've never really done a lot of like research of like yeah. for it, but is there a bunch, like, is there anything local here in like newer, like you just have the County humidor, area? you just have the humidor on 21st street, but okay. you can't go in there and sit. Okay. Um, for you, I would definitely go to smoke on the water at Buckeye Lake. Okay. Um, it's it's just across from the marina. I've actually, yeah, I've heard of that. So, like, Drew Burgess and Logan Smith okay. go there, like, sometimes, those two goof dicks. <laughs> um, I hope you're listening, you fucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
but uh, I would definitely go there because you can go in there and sit, and they have like a pretty good selection. You know, Crowned Heads is in there too, okay. so um, they're good. They're Gary's a good guy, good old man, um, but they know what they're doing. So, but you can go there. You can go to Westerville. Um, Governors is a good place. Okay. There's a place in Reynoldsburg called Governors as well. Um, that's a cool little place, um, at least east of town. Um, if you're in the Groveport area or Grove City, you can uh, go to Royale, which is by the uh, casino. Okay. So that's a cool lounge. My buddy Ryan is a GM there. You can actually serve alcohol at that place. So that place has got – you can go in there and get a drink. Yep. So I like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there's quite a bit. <clears throat> so what is your go-to combination with whiskey, bourbon, and the cigar? Which, like, what are you going with if you had to pick one Man. of each? Um, so for us, you know, a lot of, if there's bourbon people that are listening to the podcast, for me, you know, everybody knows Buffalo Trace. Like, that's yeah. the big distillery. You know, yeah. they, they make Pappy, they make Weller, they blah, blah. And you can't get any of their shit. So, because everybody buys it. Yeah. You know, Blanton's, blah, blah, blah. Um, but for me, my, I love this stuff. This is actually really good. I, I like it. But, um, which I'm going to have to take a picture of that before you leave. Yeah. So for our <laughs> listeners, we're drink we're sipping on a Russell's reserve, uh, private barrel pick that was from a store in, uh, Ashbrook liquor outlet. And I got this in Morgantown, West Virginia. So, uh, but it's actually really, really good. It is. What I love about store picks is they normally tell you like what, uh, how old it is. Um, and like when it was distilled and when the barrel was dumped. So a uh, little side note here, sorry. No, I like it. Um, so this, this whiskey was distilled on 10, one of 2014. It was dumped on six twenty seven of 2023. So it's about like eight years and, uh, it was bottled on seven seventeen twenty twenty three. So a month later, so, but super cool, but it's really, really good. Um, anyways, for me, Eagle rare is a great, Oh my God. It's so good. It's great every time. And it's different. Well, I wouldn't say different, but it's just different from everything else. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and I, I'll kind of geek out a little bit. Um, like with my background, you know, it, it has this like big fruit note in it, like dark fruit, like almost mm-hmm. like a jam. Yeah. Um, like a raspberry jam, like f- fruit note in it, but it's like oaky and rich and it's, it's only about like 90, 94 proof. Okay. So it's not going to knock you over the head and you can sit there and like have a couple and feel good. Yeah. Um, for me, I, that with our, uh, Mil Dios, which I gave you one, it's got a red M on it. Um, that one. Yes. Then I think that's the one I smoked with Jesse during an episode yes. on the patio, and it was it was yes. really freaky. That cool. with Eagle Rare to me is like an end all be all okay. kind of pairing. Okay. Um, but I would say, I would say if we were on the patio and I was smoking this Lavaretta, which is our our kind of expensive cigar that we just created. With this, I'd be very, very happy. 
So we'll but, have to bring you back for uh, hold my beer. Yeah, man, yeah, man. Me, you, and Dante. Uh, did you ever? Do you know Dante at all? I don't know him, but I know, know of him. him. Yeah. So we do those, and in the summertime, we always do them on. I'd rather sit on on the patio. It's way more fun just yeah. to sit on the patio yeah, and sure. stuff. So we'll have to do one out on the patio this year. But we'll bring you over and stuff, and we'll do cigars and some bourbon. Yeah. But I'm game. <clears throat> so how does like your sales for say go because? Like, it's not like your typical sales call. Like, you're just, I mean, you have probably your places that you already know. Yeah. But, like, what is a sales like for you? Like, if somebody new, what what is your process like? So, if someone's new, um, actually, it's kind of nice. We have a, um, I don't, actually, I don't know what it is. We have some sort of app or something, some <laughs> sort of software with our home office that allows us to figure out what new if there's new cigar shops within different territories our cfo gets those messages and then kind of blurts them out to the different reps okay. so i get emails about like new shops all the time so i'll either find like a contact or like get on facebook or something whatever way it take whatever it takes i'll email them, message them and say like, Hey, like I'm so-and-so I'm, you know, I'm Jake from crowned head cigars. Um, I'd love to get in touch, maybe set up a meeting. I'd love to come in and, you know, get your feedback on our cigars, maybe smoke a cigar with you, get to know you and see if this is a right fit for us both. You know, it's like, you know, that's kind of my yeah. sales spiel. Um, I love and much rather would do things in person rather over the phone. Um, just because it, it, it just sucks that way. I, you know, I, I'm going to spend, you're going to spend your hard earned money as a business owner, a small business owner. Right. And I'm trying to get that money. Yeah. So I, I'm going to take the time and come to you, you know, and I'm going to show you that I have the time and the, you know, wherewithal to do that. And, and that's what I, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm, I'm for some reason, the in-person, I feel like COVID kind of changed my perspective on this especially but like i do virtual podcasts yeah and then i mean some of them they're in idaho they're yeah. in texas like they're all over the place so right. it's like it makes more i don't have the money right now after to be able to no i get it but maybe one day that'd be awesome i get but, it man you know my whole thing is is like the in-person episode if i can do in person i'm doing in person the yeah. conversations are better you're you're right here in front of the person like actually if it, it just seems like a more genuine conversation yeah. it probably Nothing. sounds better too because oh, everybody has yeah. this fucking shitty mic <laughs> yeah <laughs> the blue yeti or whatever like they bring all these yeah guys. he's on his iphone like <laughs> yeah. oh i've had uh, actually uh you knew mason's Tomlin. <laughs> yeah. So I recorded yeah. with him. He was driving back from Iowa back to Ohio and he calls and oh I was like, God. all right, Mason, we'll, we'll go with it. We'll run with it. That does not surprise me. <laughs> Good old Mason. Awesome guy, but <laughs> clad. Yeah. Dad. Dad now. He was a lot different than what I see. I knew him only as a coach. <laughs> so he was, yeah. everybody was like, he's a lot different. Yeah. Like, Remember Mason you used to, when you used to do this? Mason's like, shut up. Like, yeah. we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Ma yeah. No, I love Mason. I won't talk shit. <laughs> I love Mason. We came in together. He was part of my class. Um, we had a lot of actual classes together. Um, a lot of great people came out of the class of 2017. Yeah. yeah so, I wish I was one year earlier. Yeah. Instead, my my seniors were like, Ryan or Ben Rubel and Brad Brodak. Yep. Uh, like my freshman year. Yep. So that's who I had. Which don't get me wrong, like Jermaine Fraser Phillips. I love Jermaine. Jermaine's amazing. Yep. Doing big things. Too. Anthony. 
Chambers, yep. I love Ant's name. He just kind of, well, he's in what? He's in Tampa. Yep. He's firefighter. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. I love Anthony. Yeah. He's, Anthony's one of the most genuine people I've ever met in my life. He was one of like the meanest people on the field. Oh yeah. But outside of the field, dude, he's nice so as sweet. Can be. So nice sweet as can be. He's yeah. I I love those guys. Um, Jerry Harper. Oh Harp. Yeah. Um, yeah. That 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 class was great too. Um, Nate. Um, Nate was my little brother. Nate Lee. Yep. He was my roommate junior yep. year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was my little brother, so my only one. Really? Yeah. I don't even know who. I, I think I only had. I don't think any of mine actually lasted. <laughs> yeah, he <laughs> was my only one topic. ever. It sucked because my one little brother. He was. I think he was all conference, and then next year just was like Gone. done. Well, Damn. he still stayed at Ohio Wesleyan. He was in a frat. He was in Sig uh, Up. And then, but he was like, I, I'm just done. Wow. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> I don't want to be a dick on live air, but that, that just shows oh, you. he doesn't listen. That just shows you the morale of coaching. Yep. That yep. Just, I mean, that, that just shows you. Yeah. You know, you have a great athlete that just quits. Yep. You I, know? Yeah. It, I it's mean, fucking terrible. It is. And I can't say enough about that. I mean, it's just, you know, I was, uh, you know, a little side note, like, I was talking about this with somebody else. Um, actually, you know, with with cigars and bourbon in my industry, you know, being 28, I'm always the young guy. Yeah. You know, and, and what so, is the typical age that you deal with mostly? Mid 40s, yeah, 60s. Yeah. I mean, geez, it's it like, goes all over the place. Yeah. If you're above, if 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 you're under 40, I'm surprised I'm talking to you. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. I've always been. I mean, I think. I think you've known me long yeah. enough that I've always been around older people. Yeah. And then that's always, I've, I've always been that way. I don't know why. I enjoy, but, I personally, especially later in life, I'd rather be around them. Yeah. Yeah. The more, they have more experience in life. They have more wisdom. And I'm sure sitting down drinking bourbon and cigar, smoking a cigar, you get to hear things that you might not think that you would ever get to like experience. Well, and there's a lot of observations, but what I was going to say was that, you know, I was talking to an older gentleman that has a kid and, uh, you know, he's talking about his, like, six-year-old, right? But I'm a lot closer to that six-year-old than he is, yeah. you know? Because I've, you know, it wasn't that long ago for me. Yeah, compared to him. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was just telling him, I was telling him that same exact thing where it's, you know, I, I'm so passionate when I look back on, like, the, the, um, the players versus, like, coaches thing. And it just pisses me off, man. It, it it drives a hole like through my heart where it's like I don't know how many people just quit because of bad coaches. And I told him because he was like, I've ta- almost done it. He was talking to me. everybody has. Oh, yeah. Because it's it just the, these fucking people, they just like don't realize the worst is like watching Little League. Oh yeah. Parent coaches, which I'm not saying don't coach your kids. Like there are good coaches. I was. There. Yeah. Like I, the best believe I was fucking running every day. Oh yeah, <laughs> Dad, we were late. Yeah, run. Yeah, but you, I was the, you were the reason we. Were <laughs> I, re- I remember I was in third grade one time, and Cody Johnson and I got in a fight, <laughs> and he made us hold hands <laughs> around the diamond on Refugee Road. Oh man, while we ran. That's cute. <laughs> and he said if we if we didn't hold hands, we'd run until the end of practice. Ugh. 
And that was my dad. That was my yeah. own dad. And that was fucking third grade. So yeah. what was I like eight? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean, that's a big lesson for an eight year old. Yeah. You know, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, dad? Like, this is stupid. Yeah. You know, I hate this motherfucker. Like, why? <laughs> but I bet you didn't get in the fight with him again. Nope. <laughs> but no, yeah, I don't. I don't have anything against you know coaching dads, but people are assholes. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say it, but I mean, I've seen people give up on their sports that are young, and it's like they only did a couple of years of it. But it, I've also looked at a coach, and I've been like, I wouldn't even want to play for you. Like, right. and I'm 26, right? And I wouldn't want to play. For, I don't. And I'm not saying you know not every coaching style is the same. I get it, right? But like. There's just certain things, and like I mean, I almost quit basketball because of certain coaches in high school. Yeah, like I I loved basketball. Basketball was my main passion before football. You know what, what I what think I it is though. I think most of it comes down to fairness. Yeah, because everybody, it, what what destroys a team first and foremost is fucking favorites. Daddy ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, and I thought when I went off to college that I it was over. Yeah. You know, when I met fucking uh, Delaney and Formaz and Watts, I thought I was. I was good as yeah. a freshman. And then you go through like a year or two and then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and you know, if they're listening, fuck it. You know, it's, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's what is the truth. Yeah. And, and it just, it pisses me off that so many coaches ruin players yeah. and, and they ruin, and you can say whether that, you can say that that's perseverance. You can say that that's adversity, whatever. But you have no idea how much players look up to coaches, even if they hate you. Oh, they look still right look now. up to you. Nick Saban just retired, and they are losing recruits left and right. Oh yeah, a coach can make or break you. Oh yeah. And if now, I mean, I, I Saban's seventy-two years old. I, I'm I hate to see him go. He's a legendary coach. Yeah, Hated sure. playing against him for sure. Like as a fan, did not like when Ohio State was playing against him right. at all. Right. But. He is there's you can't deny he is a legendary coach for that sure. is very good at his job for sure. And now that he's retiring, like you were watching Alabama recruits be like, nope, yep, I don't I don't know if this is where I want to be now. Well, look at uh, look at Day after this last game. Yeah, I mean we're losing. He's surprisingly doing decently in recruit like transfer wise. Yeah, I don't know how decent. that is because that performance was fucking terrible. I but it off at halftime. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean that was the worst. Buckeye performance probably and since fickle days 10 years yeah I so, mean yeah it's gotta be and at least since they won the national champion the first year since 14 uh, even before that because Urban went undefeated his first year at Ohio State so right. it would have been even earlier than that right so yeah I don't know it's it, it was, was bad yeah it was really bad and to only be two players off the field really yeah you know, your whole defense was there so there was no excuse Burton. whether that was yeah yeah, but whatever. Uh, long story, but yeah. yeah, we get into Ohio State football way yeah. too much on this no, podcast. That's all right. <laughs> but no, it, it, my point is, is, it's just like it, it sucks because I, I don't think that, I don't think coaches realize how much they influence players. Mm-hmm. Even though that, you know, the player can hate that coach and that coach can feel that, but he still has influence over that player. Yeah, and and there's just so many people that I've lost contact with just because we never played the sport. Yeah. Any anymore, you know, together, and so it just, uh, you know, in my sappy times, I <laughs> oh, it hurts. I, it sucks. I look back, and so Teddy was became a coach my senior year, junior year, senior year, one of the year, mm-hmm. junior year. I think is when he started. He was injured and became like a student coach. Yeah, and 
we're roommates, best freaking friends, and he's bitching at me in the weight room. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like, who the fuck are you? I can't. I can't take Teddy seriously. Well, I, can't I, I, I know so you hard. had to. I'm sorry, but. but it was hard because it was hard to take him serious. And it's like, yeah. dude, you're my best friend. You're my roommate. Why are you riding my ass so much? And then you realize, like, but that's the difference too. He was a coach that was trying to make me better. Yeah. And he knew he could be a dick to me. Yeah. He he knew I could take it. I couldn't take Bo Heineman for a. <laughs> I couldn't take him seriously, but he was know, my position coach. I know, I know he was. <laughs> he was goofy as hell, but I was a sophomore when he came in. Really, and uh, it was, but you know, he was always fair. Yeah, that's what I loved about him. Oh, I'm I'm fairly certain Bo fought for me to play more than I got when well, I yeah. wasn't playing because oh, you know he he'd did. come up to me right when we were in the uh, Hamwell, and he'd be like, "Be ready today." Yeah, and I was a freshman. And I'm he like, said the same stuff to Cam. Oh, but I think he fought for players. He did that. He thought honestly deserved a shot. He did, and maybe not like starting full time playing, no. but at least some reps. No, so and 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 it's not even a it's not even a question of you know someone from the outside can say, well, you know, why weren't you guys good enough to play? And it's like that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, you know, we're talking about the fact that you know there's an argument of favorites. Oh yeah, and. And when you do that, it tears a team apart. Yeah. When, when, you know, we're kids, but we're not stupid. Yeah. You know, you can see it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll surpass that. But, but it's good. So I wanted to also ask, um, how many cigars do you smoke in a week? In a week? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Um, Which I know part of it's your job, too. It varies. Yeah. It varies. Um, the reason, I mean, that is, it's probably number two reason of why I wanted the job. Because <laughs> um, I, I mean, I get to, I mean, let's be honest, I get to smoke and drink for free. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And and that is fine, and it's great for me, um, but I have to watch myself. Yeah. And I have to be smart about it. Um, you know, when I first, like, became a rep, um, you know, I was smoking, like, five to six cigars a day because I'm trying out different blends. I'm trying out all of our product. You know, we have a large portfolio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we may have, um, I'd say, anywhere between – maybe 12 and 14 like core lines yeah and then you may have three to four different sizes of cigars and eat or shapes in each one of those blends which tastes different you know so you gotta as a salesman you gotta know the product right and and what i love about this industry and what i love about cigars in general is the fact that you can't sell this shit if you don't know what it is and and you know we uh I had a conversation with someone, a sales guy, one of my new best friends out in Indianapolis, and he used to work for um, Philip Morris, which was big cigarette cigarette company, you know, Marlboro, mm-hmm. whatever. And he's a salesman, right? So like, and I'm, you know, money. You can always make more money. So I'm asking him about sales and trying to, you know, build build my portfolio a little bit and my sales strategy. And so I'm talking to him about things, and he's telling me. Um, you know, sales pitches and stuff like that. 
And I, I'm listening, and this isn't me being stubborn and acting like I know everything, but I'm listening to him, and I'm like, yeah, but how can I do that with cigars? Because you can't. You can't, you can't sell a product because every cigar is an experience. Mm-hmm. So how do you sell an experience? That's like me selling a carton of cigarettes to somebody that is trying to buy a cruise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If it, I mean, I know that's weird to kind of explain, but it, that's what it's like. And so you can't be uh, dishonest. You can't be disingenuous. It's, it's not... I have to smoke it. You know, most of the time what I do is I just hand somebody a cigar and I'm like, let's smoke a cigar together because we're a small brand. And what did I just do? You just gave me something for free. Well, yeah, one. And you're giving me the experience. Yes. Yeah. So you're actually getting the first hand to see what it's like. Yeah. And then that cigar owner sees that. Mm. And then that I just created a customer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why these events are so important. Um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. How many did I answer it? Cigars a week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I would probably say. Shit. Monday to Friday. <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna say fifty. Jeez, seems like such a large amount. It's a lot. <laughs> but I'll have weeks where I don't smoke anything. Yeah. You know, I have weeks where I'm home. And, you know, you were asking, like, my travel schedule, too, where um, it just depends on where my events are. Like, I schedule yeah. events everywhere um, and little spotlight things, what we call cutting lights. Okay. Um, so, like, where, you know, I kind of go the extra mile and actually, like, cut a cigar for people, light it for them, you know, do the whole is thing. Is there a specific way to do it? There, There is, but it, it's, it just depends on a preference. Okay. Um, I normally just do a straight cut which is like a guillotine which is like kind of what you see there and for like the viewers it's just um you just cut the tip off of it yeah a lot of people i feel like cut too far they do yeah Yeah. so like what i what i normally say and it's kind of funny but it works and it always sticks in someone's head is i say scalp it don't decapitate it yeah if that makes sense but for if you're listening to this i would say for a frame of reference if you look at a a a tip of a cigar, which is going to be your closed, your cap, um, which is what you're going to, you know, put in your mouth and smoke from. And you're going to light the foot, which is the open end of the cigar. And normally you can tell that by the band because the way that if you're reading the band, right, the foot is always going to be at the bottom of that band that you can read, um, if that makes sense. But if you look at this cigar, there's different caps, so I'll I'll give you that one, but there's different layers of a of a tobacco that is a cap, so that I think is almost triple capped or almost double capped, which means they take like a circle of a tobacco, and they put that over the wrapper leaf um, with almost like a glue like subs- substance, and then that kind of holds everything together, right? Okay. And uh, so. What I normally do is just a straight cut or a guillotine cut. So that's that's simple. You can use your damn knife for it. You can use your fingernail. I mean, that's what a lot of cigar guys do. But you can have, you know, 
There's a lot of accessories oh, and yeah. cigars. So you can have a lot of money racked up in lighters and cutters and stuff like that. You can do a V-cut, which is almost, some people call it a wedge or a cat eye. Um, you can do a crown, which is like a double cat eye or it looks like a cross. You basically take a V-cut and slit it and then slit it the other way. Um, you can do a punch cut, which is um, if the cap was still on here, it's basically just a, a hole. Some people call it a bullet. So uh, there's a bunch of different cuts. All that is doing is restricting the air um, of the cigar or the draw. Okay. Um, for me, I want th- I want the best chance of an open draw because I hate a plug cigar. Yeah. That's I like same way. It's like sucking through a a, a like a straw with yeah. a piece of ice mm-hmm. in the middle of it. You know, it just sucks. So, um, um, yeah, I would say about like fifty cigars a week, maybe. Depending on depends like my, on the week. Depending on my travel schedule, you know, like I can normally it's a day. Like I can do a if I have an event, you know, and I'm traveling to the event, you know, I'm smoking. I, I smoke in my my Durango, um, and it's leather. Thank God, because if it was cloth, I'd be screwed. Um, it's just sticking there, man. You know, yeah. but uh, so. I travel and I smoke and that's fine and that's so relaxing, man. Like when you're traveling and like smoking a cigar and listening to whatever you listen to, that's so great. But um, when I get to an event, like I I may smoke like twelve or fifteen cigars a day if I'm doing an event, you know, because you're. I never want to be caught out with a cigar in my hand, Mm -hmm. you know, if that makes sense. Um, But then, then after a while, it's. It's kind of like a, like a beer, you know, like yeah. it just like everything. It always tastes better, like after the next one, after the next one, after the next one. So you got to watch yourself. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll go hard, you know, one week and then just cut it off the next week. You yeah. know, and I may have like one cigar in the whole week. Yeah. Um, and then I'll take uh, I'll take different supplements to kind of flush my system and stuff like that. I mean, you got to do it. I mean, yeah. it's, if you don't, it's. That's what I've. That's been the biggest lesson that I've done myself is learn about kind of doing that and flushing my system and doing different supple- natural supplements. So yeah. I know that sounds weird, but it's true. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs to flush their system, no yeah. matter if you're smoking that many cigars or not. Like, because if you look at guys like in the cigar industry, they're like, we're you. I mean, it, it's unanimous. Like, they're just all overweight. They're all unhealthy. <laughs> it's not a good look. You know, but then like the guys that kind of are healthy and stuff, mm-hmm. like they're the outliers, and it's you know, then it kind of looks cool. Yeah. You know, it's but when you have like a four hundred pound guy that's got his belly button out of his shirt, smoking a cigar, and has a bag of Doritos in his hand, like it doesn't look very cool. <laughs> no. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna move into some of these. Yeah, um, man. Sorry. <laughs> final. No, you're good. I'm gonna move into some of these final segments of the podcast, and I do have a question <laughs> that I ask all of my pretty much every guest sometimes i forget but if you could go back in time and tell your 16 year old self one thing what would it be damn that's a good one that's why i always ask it because it everybody gives a different type of answer but it's always like it's not always like hard hitting but it kind of makes people think yeah i mean for me like like you know me like i don't know what is I say wrong with me because I feel like there's something wrong, but like I 
for my whole life, like I've just been so fucking serious. Like, and that's mm-hmm. why that's what's driven to me to cigars and it's not a bad thing. Like, it, but it is like because <laughs> it gets for me it gets it, it's it's just draining. I guess is yeah. my point because like you just. Like, even in high school, it's like try hard was like the big thing. Oh, yeah. Crookshank used to fucking say that. Like, even Sev, Connor used to say yeah. that shit to me all the time. And it's like it sticks in your craw a little bit, you know? Yeah. And it's like you're working your ass off and people are you calling you try hards. And it's like, yeah, jackass. That's like, what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed <laughs> to do. And but But after a while, it's like you grow up and then you realize it's like, I get it. I understand. Like, there's a, there's a, there's a fine line between focused and too serious. Yeah. And so I've tried to really get laid back like the last like like good part of my 20s, you know. So this helps. But man, what would I tell to my 16-year-old self? I mean, honestly, that. It would be just don't take life too seriously. You know, you're 16 years old. Yeah. You know, it's not it not everything is the end of the world. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And, and I think that's how I felt. Like I was raised, like, I love my parents. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, my parents, Yeah. but you know, like I was raised that, you know, like my, my failures like defined me, you know, because you just don't fuck up, you know, like if you do fuck up, you should have known better, you know? And that was, to me, that was always the lesson. And that's fine. It's not saying that my parents were bad parents because they weren't. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just as a kid, that's interpreted differently. Mm-hmm. And and it's in and my interpretation was that it, I can't fuck up. Yeah. You know, and if I do, it is the end of the world. And and now I realize because I have made actual actual serious fuck ups now that it's it's just not that serious, yeah. you know? And, and if, if I wouldn't have made it to college and if I did flunk out, I would have been okay. Yeah. And, and that's the lesson. Oh, so. the, the whole fucking up thing. It's crazy. Cause I mean, I, I'm similar in the aspect of, I think that partially comes from being an athlete with, I can't fuck up. Yeah. Of course. Well, especially football. Yeah. You, you did not want to fuck up. And especially you can't miss that tackle. Why no. would you miss that tackle? Oh God. You were two set. You were two inches. Film with Warrington or Delaney. Oh yeah! If you missed a tackle, you were just like, "Yep, yep, that play's coming up. Let's uh, hopefully we skim past it and he doesn't see." It. No, everybody saw it. Yeah. But no, like yeah, the I'm whole, gonna bite my tongue on that one. <laughs> my my parents were a little bit different. Like they let me fuck up. Like go ahead, go yeah. fuck up. Yeah. Now if you fuck up twice, that's when they're like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, I didn't get that chance. <laughs> yeah. So that was the difference with me. But it was I was after college, especially it was like something would go wrong and it's like no it can't like i flip like i'd get pissed oh yeah to the point where like i could be building something or i could just be doing something with a podcast i used to like punch computers yeah like the almost like the gamer rage type stuff yeah and it was just in different circumstances and now i'm getting to the point where it's like oh well like yes and it's not like i just like blow it off like what the hell ever it's like all right this happened yeah now what it's not like I'm going to freak out and throw a temper tantrum about it. Well, I'm it creates this rage. Like, it does. It, it, and it's bad. It's very, very bad. It's volatile. Yeah. And it's 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 not good. It's, we're expecting perfection from ourselves. Yes. And, and we're not perfect. No. We're centered. It's so, it's, it's it just so hard to get past that. 
aspect of expecting perfection, especially, and I, we've talked about a lot on the podcast lately, like within the last month or two of the athletes, like a lot of athletes have talked about this and a lot of them have said, I think it's from being an athlete. It is. You expect to be perfect when in reality we were never perfect in our sports. Especially if it's longer. Yeah. You know, because you become almost like, what's the famous saying like in like, uh, um, Shawshank like you're almost an institutionalized yeah you know and 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 that's the way I f- you know that's the way we feel when you get out of college and you're a student athlete yeah that's the way you feel because like we said at the beginning it's like well now what yeah you know you just don't know um but yeah yeah I, I mean that's what I would say to myself is just it's don't don't take don't take life too seriously at this time and yeah because it's not. It's the 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 girl that you're dating isn't going to be the one that you marry. Mm-mm. The the college that you choose isn't going to where you're isn't where you're going to end up. The friends that you have now you're never going to speak to again after co- or after school. Yeah. It's it it's it just doesn't matter. It yeah. it really. I mean, it does, but it doesn't. Yeah, like that high school circle of friends that you used to have. Four years down the line is going to be very very small. Yeah. That's what a lot of people, because I mean, everybody's guilty. Oh, we're going to be friends for a long time. Like, I'm always going to talk to this guy. Then yeah. all of a sudden, one day hits, and you're like, I don't talk to anybody. I talk to one, two, three, maybe three people from my class, like consistently. Like I, I talked to people that I wasn't even friends with Yeah. in high school. Yeah. I mean, that's to me, that's fucking weird. Like, I've, <laughs> like, I've, uh, well, I talked to Bear. Okay, yeah. Like Jared Schuff, and I, I talked to Jared Quorum. Um, I've had him on the podcast. He's, he's, a, I don't know, he, the stuff he does, too. Oh, is dude, crazy. he, cha- I, I can't believe it. I know. He, I mean, good on him. I mean, Jared, I mean, I, he, he's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, that goofy ass, like, redhead, like, to, and now to do what, doing what he's doing yeah. is just unbelievable. I mean, it's just great. I love him. And, <laughs> And for me, you know, I wasn't, and I don't want it to seem like a fucking sappy sob story because it's not, but the truth is I didn't have a lot of friends in high school. You know, I was, I was the guy with the big letter jacket that would walk down, you know, that middle hallway and everybody would move, but I wasn't friends with anybody. You know, I've, yeah, that my, and I, I I didn't party in high school. I didn't do anything in high school. So like nobody like really, when I went off to college, that was really exciting for me because I was like, oh. A new start. It is because no one knows you. Right, exactly. I Especially mean, at Ohio Wesleyan. That's well, why I love that place because see, nobody hard. knew where the fuck well, I was. I went to school and Caitlin Smith was there. Cam Smith was there. There yeah. were so many walk-ins <laughs> no. people that I was like, "What the hell?" Well, that's what I was surprised about because, like, when I like when you I started got, the trend, I guess <laughs> I guess because like I talked because when Cam came in, um, I was really excited because um, I knew Cam like for being like a skinny like hard hitter Mm -hmm. and and then and then when i came back like to a homecoming cam said like you came on and i was like oh cool (laughs) i'm like this is all right yeah so our we actually had me terry lowry which he ended up leaving after that's right semester a year yes uh caitlin smith lasted all four years bailey small I think she went all four years, but she was playing soccer and then ended up or softball, 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 and then ended up stepping away from softball. But like we had like five of us at yeah. one point, and I was like, and we had like Heights kids. We yeah. had so like it was, 
it, it, it changed the whole And now lot. Darren's the head coach at Watkins. Yeah, I did not see that coming. I love Darren. I've never really talked to him, so like I've never. Been. I used to train he at the edge. Okay. Out of New Albany. Now it's gone, but uh, Aaron Fry, the Frys, owned that land, yeah. and Darren would train out there, and I used to train out there in the summer, and because uh, I I just wanted to get away from Watkins, you know. Yeah. I, I I'm weird. I got to be different. I got to get out a little bit and see. I didn't like, like training at Watkins. Even when I was in college, I didn't want to go back. Like I wanted to go do field work. Yeah. But I didn't always want to go back to the field because like I didn't want to. I just go to old school. Yeah. But but yeah, whatever. Um, but anyways, I met Darren and then he was, it was so crazy because like he like pointed me out like in the gym and he was like, cause I had like a walk-ins thing on and he's like, you're 33, aren't you? And I'm like, how the, yeah. And, and then we like really hit it off and then, um, and then fucking Ronnie went to, uh, Heights, um, but uh, there was a guy named Ronnie also that was his, like, fullback for heights. Which one? Well, yeah. Uh, what was his last name? They always, had, they always ran that Maryland eye yeah. with him. I think his, his number was 34. Okay. And he went to play baseball at Ohio State. Okay. And him and I were – I didn't really know him that well, but – we just would hit the fuck out of each other <laughs> and we'd just always get up like that even though fun. we were rivals that but like fun. we'd always get up and like hit each other on the head and like yeah you're good you know <laughs> and then uh so that's why long story short like i'm really happy that darren's at at walking seems like he's doing well too. great coach yeah. great oh, dude I, there's no denying that great dude yeah Lo- would have loved to seen hair as the head coach but i yeah. don't know what the hell happened there i mean i haven't I been back know. since i don't even know i know i think Mead's still a part of it. I don't even know how many coaches are really yeah. from like our time are still there. Well, I think Hare went more like administrative. Did he? Because was he? He, he was, went. Became the principal. That's what at I thought school. at the middle school. Yeah. So I don't know. I yeah. I don't know. But anyways, crazy stories. Yeah, crazy yeah. Times. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I can go all the way back. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> but well, this moves us into the best segment of the podcast, which is Motivation Monday. <laughs> Motivation Monday is the point in the episode where I allow the guests to give the Roughnecks listeners a little inspirational bump to set the tone for the week <laughs> as they listen on Monday morning. So what do you got from Motivation Monday? All right. So, uh, well, first, I want to thank uh, Cole. Thanks for having me on. Man. Hey, man, it's been a blast. It's great. I didn't even get to say that yet. So <laughs> thanks for having me on the Roughnecks podcast, man. This is awesome. But no, what I, I mean, I'll... I'll start by this saying that uh, I think a lot of people come on and do podcasts and they act like they know everything. Mm. And and I can say this because one we had a podcast and about cigars and bourbon and I love my partner to death but he always did that. And, and I've been a part of that whole scene too, where, you know, I woke up at three o'clock, was at the gym at 4am, would post my fucking video, tell everybody to work hard and do this and do that. And I'm 22 years old. What the fuck do I know? What, what did I know? 
I didn't know anything. You know, six years later, I still don't know anything. But what I do know is my experiences. And and if I... I would rather give somebody an example of my experience to so that they can come up with their own interpretation of it and think of it because that's what I do all the time when I'm at cigar shops when I'm at events and I'm smoking a cigar with somebody I'm listening and asking them about their life Mm -hmm. so that I can learn about them maybe befriend them but maybe they can tell me how the fuck to go through this life a little yeah you know and so what I what I would say is that I think I think a lot about people giving advice to others. And I guess my example is is that for me I've made a lot of mistakes and I and like I said, you know, with your with my answer to being what would I say to my that's a great question by the way to my 16 year old self is, is not being, you know, take, take life with a grain of salt and don't be so serious about, about your life. Um, have, have that drink, have that cigar, have some type of experience that can, that you enjoy. Yeah. You know, we live in a world that we're worried about fucking Hamas and we're worried about shit that's going on in the Middle East. We're worried about our government. We're worried about our food that isn't as nutritious as it was in the 1960s. We're worried about should we make a bunker or not? Do we do I save gas? Do I save toilet paper? Do I go take the vaccination do i not i lost a friend because i disagreed with his bullshit yeah <laughs> explanation on why to get the vaccine but like we love each other but now we don't we, i've lost friends like due to different political views what it's it's not it's not that important no. and and it's and it's going to be okay and and the sooner that you realize that is it you're going to be a lot happier. Yeah. And and I think for me one thing that we didn't talk about and one thing I wanted to get into was that you know for me 2024 is going to be my year of it may come off wrong but of cutting people out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting to the age now where and I travel, right? Yeah. So I have friends all over. And like I said before, I didn't have friends in high school, really. Yeah. You know, I, that I hung out with a lot, you know? Not like brothers, not yeah. like best friends. And and when I think about that, you know, I'll drive four hours to see somebody and hang out. Mm-hmm. But if I, I... I've been through the ringer recently enough that people just don't... When, when someone in your life is just not showing the same reciprocating ener- energy, yeah. just let them go, man. Mm-hmm. Just let them go. Whether it be like a family member, whether it be loved ones, whether it be friends, best friends, whatever. Just let them go. Don't even, don't even give them effort. 
and see what happens. Because yep. if it fizzles away, which it will, you understand. Mm-hmm. You'll understand then. If and you, it's yeah. It, I've seen the thing of like and it's going to hurt. Oh yeah, but it, that it won't hurt forever. No, no. There's going to come that point when you look at it and go, "Man, I'm so glad." Yeah. So I guess there's two, yeah. <laughs> two motivational things in there. But if you want to call them that, but it, I, I'm at the point now where it's just you can't, you can't take it too seriously, and you got to cut these people out mm-hmm. because they're they're going to ruin your life. They're gonna they're going to take over your thoughts. And you're not going to be able to focus on what you need to do. Yeah. And and you're not going to be able to focus on the people that are actually also focusing on you and giving their energy to you. You know, you, you got to figure out your friends and your loved ones. And and if they're going to hold you back, then fuck them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's just, it, it. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, I've had people with the podcast. I've been three years into this. Yeah. I'm not making money on this thing. Right. And that's, as it's part of, that's not why I do it. Right. And like people are like, oh, why do you even do it then? Like, is it even fun? And it's like, it's a blast. You know, any conversations with people, I would never just get to have a conversation exactly. with that person if I was not doing this. And but like, and it's, I want to be able to share knowledge like this, knowledge yeah. like other people. And one of the things <coughs> that you said like really resonated with me and it was like, you have these people that know every want to think they know everything and yes. try to tell you how to do everything and this kind of stuff. And it, the one of the biggest pieces of advice I got when I was I was still in high school. It was a former boss of mine. He told me, "There's gonna come a day where you realize you don't know shit." Yep. And that's gonna be a good day. It is a good day. And like literally, it, when you really think about, all right, yeah, I know a lot about this specific thing. Yeah, but when you really think about the broad scheme of everything in the world that you could know, you don't know shit. Yeah, and whether you think you have something figured out or not, whether you even are a master at it, whatever this thing is, it doesn't mean you know everything. Well, and what that means too is, is that I think a lot of people get this twisted: is that you that means that you keep moving forward. Yeah, and you keep learning things, yes. and you keep you keep diagnosing the way that you feel Mm -hmm. you keep reflecting on how you you don't need you don't need a therapist you don't need a fucking strategy your morning routine you don't need to go into a hot bath for an hour and then go into a cold plunge for five seconds and do that five times in the morning and then take your protein shake and then go to work and then do you don't need to do that you it's just reflect on your life a little bit and just learn what makes you feel better because not everything that works for these fucking influencers works for you it's not the same and and it just it it pisses me off that people make money Mm. off the fact of of what we're talking about yeah. because pe- because all of us all the rest of us are humble and we don't know what the fuck we're doing so we're looking out for the people that do know what they're doing but they don't know what the fuck they're doing either yeah. you know what i mean so it's it's just you you do the research and you learn on your own time yeah. what works for you yeah and, and everybody's different yeah like and, there's no and that doesn't mean like i'm not i'm not bashing like the trainer that's been doing this for 20 years yeah, exactly, either. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the people that 
act like they fucking know everything yeah. because they don't. And I don't know everything either. And and what you said was great too, where it's like you what what your boss says, like the day that you know that you don't know everything yeah. is great. Yeah. It is great. The bad day is when you realize that your parents think that they know everything still. Yeah. That's the bad day. Yeah. After the good day. Yeah. So then you got to navigate you got to navigate this weird little area where you know that even though at 28 years old that your parents are wrong and then you become the parent. Yep. <laughs> yep. And oh, that's what sucks. There's been times in like certain things building something or like dirt work or like just this kind of industry that I'm in. And then like my dad will be like, well, we should do it this way. And I'm like, not saying it's wrong, but that's the outdated way. Right. That's not, there's a better way now. Right. And like trying to explain it, and it's hard sometimes when you go from being the child to the, the teacher, the parent. Yeah. And it, it is tough. Yeah. And like, I mean, going back kind of to the not knowing anything, a lot of people sometimes do like maybe think like, oh, he's 20, 20 26. Yeah, 26. <laughs> <laughs> you lose track after a while. Uh, 26, like, why he doesn't, why does he have a podcast? He doesn't know anything. The reason I have a podcast is a big thing is I get to have these conversations and I'm still learning from every single person that I have on this podcast. Yeah. I learn from every one of them. I take little snippets from every single one of them. And like, that's the thing too. I listen to every episode multiple times. Cause like I listen to it when I'm editing, I listen to it again right. when I'm editing. I'm like specifically looking for editing things, but then I do listen to it like on the platform. So that way I listen to myself a lot, yeah. but I'm also listening to guests. Cause yeah. That's like, it's like watching film for me. It's like, all right, what did I do yeah. wrong? What can I fix? How many times do I say certain things? Yep. Because my big thing, I got away from the, uh, um, yeah, uh, yeah. but the big thing is like, 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 so that's like one of the things that I'm, no, I just did it again. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I, no, I, I, I know I say, um, and I, but it's, it's a hard thing to get past, but it, it's one of those things that you start to, people want to come bust your chops and because they think they know everything. Oh yeah, they don't. And yeah. when you start stop listening and it's and cutting those type of people out, your life's gonna get a lot better. When you start yep. going around people who one are more knowledgeable but are also still learning, those yeah. are the best people to be around. Those are my favorite people to be around. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and yeah, I I think uh, for me, there's a lot to do with you know men we're like fickle beings like let's be honest yeah, about yeah, it. like we like to think like we're badasses but we're like we're fickle and something that i've realized like recently was the fact that i think men need one we need a mentor most importantly and second importantly we need a mentee okay yeah and and without those two there's a strong chance that there's no purpose that we feel yeah. unless you have a family yeah which also includes like the mentee right like yeah. if you have a kid you know that's the mentee yeah so it's uh that's that's something i've really really been thinking about for the last like year or so yeah because i've i've tried to figure out why you know like my problem has been that I went from like being like a very, very strong power lifter like four or five years ago. And, and after 
I don't know if you knew this, but you know, my separation with, uh, if you want more, I don't care. I'm good. If, if you want, if there was a separation between like Max Effort and me and Corey Gregory, you know, Corey Gregory was my mentor. Yeah. Um, and it was a very, very bad separation. And, you know, I had some things to do with that as far as, you know, my own shortcomings and, you know, my own faults. But when that happened at, you know, still a young age, yeah, it, it took me down, man. And, and even though that cigars and bourbon were like in my life, um, and they can, this is why I say like, I have to control it because I went down a very dark hole and I didn't know if I was going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I just recently like got back into the gym and I kind of had to humble myself and understand that, you know, I can't squat 635 yeah. pounds anymore. And, and then you like look back and say like, geez, I just, I should never stopped. Like, why did I stop? And it's like, I'm in a completely different mindset than I was five years ago. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't tell me shit. Yeah. I was the guy that was up at 4 a.m. that was telling everybody else how to live their lives. Yeah. And, and then you, you go through life and you experience a lot of shit and you sit down with millionaires and you're drinking and you're smoking and you're dealing with a whole walk of life that doesn't have to deal with fucking Pataskla, Ohio. Yeah. And then, or Central Ohio. And then you realize it's like, it was all so fucking stupid. Yeah. And I let, I let this one man that was a mentor ruin it. Yeah. I need to find the other guy. Yeah. Now, you know, and it, it, uh, that's been my epiphany. Yeah. You know, so mentors are huge. It's, I've had, hope that all made sense, no, but I've gone through similar things where that mentor eventually did, they didn't end up working out. Like yeah. things went different paths and for whatever reason. And, but when you find like that new one, it, it does, help pull you out of that hole maybe not directly right away because i mean my personal mentor now is my one of my mentors is my boss and like when i was going down that drinking path he's been down that path all right he's been there in the holes that i'm in yeah and he'd say things to me and i'm like yeah yeah and he always told me he's like the big your biggest problem is, is you've never been around a bad drunk he's like your parents drink it's a big experience like my parents drank and that but he's like your parents are the happiest people all the time it is a wake-up call and he's like that's why you see drinking as like okay okay yeah i was the same i was the same yeah until i worked at burn really and then i realized that i mean the people that i mean i got really really good at at you know sobering people up Mm. and uh and and I mean, I mean, we don't really know each other like really, really yeah. closely, but like, you know me enough. I hope that like I, I've never done any drugs like yeah. not. I mean, yeah. I'm not like that. Like I'll drink and I'll smoke cigars, but I don't. Yeah, exactly. Nah. And, and that's fine. I mean, if you smoke weed, then whatever. <laughs> At this point, it's already coming legal. Yeah. So. But if you're doing like heroin and cocaine and shit, yeah, exactly. you know, it, it, you may have a problem. So, you know, I saw a lot of stuff in burn and it just kind of showed me a side that I didn't, you know, know, Yeah. you know, mommy and daddy weren't there to say like, this is bad. Yeah. 
You know, it's I'm the fucking GM. Yeah. I'm 25 years old and the it's a 6 million dollar building. Yeah. And I'm in charge of it. Yeah. So that was a that was a massive massive wake up call. And it's people just uh you got to know you got to know when to fold them. Yeah. Because oh, exactly. Cuz people people will take advantage especially when they're drunk and when they're you know alcohol induced drug induced and um and you can play around with them as much as you can but it comes to a point so yeah well jake i appreciate you yeah. coming on the rough Next <laughs> how long podcast. was that, that record for you <laughs> no no it's been through we've gone over three hours before. that's good i've done that too it's yeah, good it's it was me and dante and caleb scott was a three hour long it was a very very bad episode oh really it was a drunk. drinking episode yeah so it yeah. did not yep. go the way we planned it yeah um but yeah i appreciate you coming on the podcast thank it you was a great time yeah um we'll definitely have you back on we'll i appreciate you back it on in the summer this summer we'll have a little patio episode for you so yep let me know but uh where can people find your cigars like if they want to reach you directly or like and uh where can they find your cigars in general to smoke so if you're in the midwest you can find them kind of all over uh uh, you know, just uh, it'd probably be best just to like reach out to me personally. Um, my handle on Instagram is Jake's with an S underscore finer life. Um, or you can check out Crowned Heads. It's the Crowned Heads with a D, Crowned Heads um, on Instagram. And we can, uh, I know John, it's basically his personal account, so he's awesome. But, uh, you know, you can go on there and kind of ask us both and, okay. and and ask us where to get them. But if you're in the central Ohio area, I mean, you can go to, you can go to Smoke on the Water out in Buckeye Lake. You can go to Governor East in um, Reynoldsburg. You can go to Tenderbox Easton. That's probably the best place to get our stuff. You can go to Tenderbox Dublin. They got a lot of our stuff. Stogies up in Powell, Delaware, um, Ohio. You have Woodlands, uh, Royale at the casino. So, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. A lot of supporters, obviously, hometown. So I will be uh, putting all those links in the episode description appreciate as well. Appreciate it. <laughs> so I know that was a lot. It's easier it sometimes is a lot. just to go there. But uh, I appreciate you coming on. And you guys know the deal until friday we were back with another q a with reno uh you guys know the deal life is hard and it's gonna knock you down just like a bull does to a bull rider don't let that bull of life walk all over you get up grab a bull by the horns and take control of your life roughnecks out <laughs>